Hello and welcome to the third episode of Teacher Talk with me, Phil Bourne and Charlie Yates. Uh, we're now on to our third episode and it's the first one where we've got a guest. Now we haven't looked very far because it is Tarina from the Geography Department but we're very, very happy to have her here today. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, the article by Dylan Willems on assessment for learning, uh, why, what and how. So hopefully we'll give you an overview of what the article uh, goes through and talk about some wider implications uh, for the school and maybe for your practice. We are we have sent this out to all staff now, so hopefully we're getting a bit of a wider reach with these uh, episodes. And uh, Charlie outlined in the email about how to get involved with the uh, with the podcast. We'd really like it if people uh, would. Uh, engage and let us know what, what you think of it and whether you want to get involved and all that stuff that's, that's outlined in the email. Uh, but we hope you enjoyed the episode today. Thank you. So, Serena, first of all, welcome. I imagine Thanks this is me. yeah, pretty big deal for you. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to ask where you first found this article. Uh, so, the article was shared with us with the Sydney Muscle Trust and the person that did a lecture on assessment for learning. He went through this document and we engaged with it in terms of how we can prove our assessment in practice. Um, in particular, the reason why we focused on it is because it will help us with our teaching standard number six. And I found that it was one of the most helpful sessions because that was an area that I did need to improve on. Good. And just I'm wondering if you could maybe summarise just what this article is actually arguing, maybe some key things that stood out for you. Well, the first key thing was that we may be assessing um, learning too late. Um, and if we were to assess learning right at the end, which is, is common practice, um, then it's too late to actually um, make sure that they're learning the information or dealing with misconceptions. Because as time and as time has it, we have to move on to the next unit and then it will be too late to actually do anything about that. And then it goes and moves on to, well, yes, we need to assess throughout, but then how is the best way to do that? And it talks about five different strategies and five different ways that we can do that. Uh, the strategies aren't exactly just, these are a very rigorous set of rules. It allows us to um, experiment with the different techniques of how we actually um, carry out assessment. And there's often practical explanations at the end on how to do this. It's one of those articles where it's got the kind of the theory behind it, but then actual, because actual kind of physical things teachers can do in the classroom because that can be sometimes um, quite irritating when you read something and it's kind of all out there but then there's no actual practical help for teachers well, on how I, to improve their practice. I feel like that's been the problem with the last two articles we've done. Yeah. We've been able to speak about a lot but we haven't actually got that practical implication yeah. in place. So yeah, hopefully this is going to actually lead to, to, to some outcome. Yeah, perfect. One thing that I particularly like about this article are the analogies that he uses uh, throughout, and I think it's a really nice way of clearly displaying what he, uh, you know, what he wants to get across. Uh, I think the one that is the strongest is the one about the the pilot, and if thinking about assessment, you know, if, if you was a pilot and you just, you know, rocked up, got in your plane, drove it for six hours in a in a certain direction, and in your head you're thinking, I'm definitely going to be at Magaluf here, and you fly <laughs> it down. And you're in, you know, the middle of the ocean. Yeah, it well, doesn't work like that. that. Yeah, I know it doesn't work <laughs> like that. And actually, what pilots have to do is they have to constantly, you know, readjust because uh, there's lots of these kind of external factors. You know, mm -hmm. the wind blows them off, or there's, yeah. you know, it's a heavier, yeah. uh, heavier plane that day, or you know, there's a whole host of things that have to happen. And that, you know, that definitely happens in the classroom. I'm definitely guilty of of doing this at times where you go, you know, you've got a, a scheme of work that you go through for six lessons, you get to the midpoint assessment, 
and you go right smash these lessons they're gonna they're gonna absolutely you know absolutely do brilliantly in these assessments mm -hmm. and you read it and sometimes my you know it maybe shouldn't be my first reaction is oh what what have they done what yeah. you know what, what yeah. are they doing when actually really it's probably it's it's an issue of me of not going through and, and checking and making sure that they're with me the, the, the whole the whole time yeah it's almost like they've, they've, they've lost being part of that journey because you're so constrained by time yeah. you just want mm. to keep going i guess it kind of links to the knowledge rich uh, curriculum definitely, definitely. we spoke about a couple of weeks ago um i, I guess then the, the kind of outcome of that is that the real thing that's trying to be pushed in this article is us as teachers being adaptable and not just adaptable in the sense where we do a unit of work and at the end of that unit of work we say oh we like that we'll do it again next year it's more the case of lesson by lesson almost you know phase by phase within yeah. the lesson looking at what's being said looking at the impact that's having um it goes on to talk about how you know sometimes teachers in a lesson might need to actually re-explain an activity again and yeah. again it, the majority of us are probably already doing that but by actually being able to say to ourselves that, that is okay at the risk of slowing down the process, mm. I think is a really important point. Well, I think the, the thing is, and I know we spoke about the booklets in, in, the, in the first episode, does that allow us to do it? Because I think more and more now, teachers are teaching from a shared curriculum, they want consistency across the classrooms. But actually, is that possible if classes are going to go at different speeds you, you know you're going to have different you're going to have different uh, ability uh, kids you're going to have all these external factors can we all just say everyone's going on this on this one thing because it doesn't the i think the issue with the booklets is it doesn't give you that freedom to go actually i need to come at this from a different tack yeah. because you've already got it all printed out mm. and i think that's what he was arguing i think the whole point is that assessment is to be adaptable is to be responsive yeah. to the students and if we're not able to do that then is assessment actually practical is it actually worth doing because you're not actually acting on it yeah it's a hard one and i don't think we're going to be able to uh absolutely answer that no, well, yeah. but um it's about it's a, a balance again because we're going to come on to obviously wider implications in a little while but we obviously all need to stick to a structure when we're teaching yeah. particularly at key stage four key stage five um and is, is it a wider problem that isn't even within our own hands? Is it yeah. something that needs mm. to be done at a, at a higher level in, you know, in terms of planning effectively, but also adapting so that learning is taking place? I think the fact that you're having this conversation at all means that you're engaging with the, with the topic. And yeah. it's not like you're just, you've got your blinkers up and you're just saying, no, it, you know, it's not a problem. They, you know, they're, they're, they're following me along. As long, mm. as, as long as it is in your mind, then I think you, you're going to try the best and, and try and get that balance. And I think that's probably where the where the school is going because when we talk about this new marking policies that's coming in, it it's kind of it's in line with what uh, you know what he's saying because he talks about on the second page he talks about these kind of different cycles of feedback and you've got kind of the the long cycle the medium cycle and the and the short term cycle and I think traditionally you know if you like an old school approach to it it would just be the long cycle yeah. the test at the mm -hmm. end of the of the six weeks or the end of the term or whatever but actually that's you know that's too far far away and i think where the marking policy is going is much more on that kind of short-term cycle where mm -hmm. you're giving sort of live feedback mm -hmm. to the to, to the students okay so Adapting is a really a really key point in regards to AFL, and not just adapting on the long-term scale, but also the short-term scale that we talked about before. Um, Dylan Williams does talk a little bit about how maybe teachers are responsible for coming up with these grand ideas of reaching an outcome, students making X amount of progress, um, you know, intending to be more adaptable in situations. But he also does mention that while we do like to talk about outcomes as a, a you know in this profession, 
we don't talk enough about how. So thankfully, um, Dylan Williams has actually given us a strategy that he thinks works really well. And it's, it's, a, it's a five step strategy to try and work out how we engage students better, how we adapt responsibly as teachers. Yeah, so the first one that um, he really talks about in depth is eliciting evidence and achievement. And he goes into giving an example of a multiple choice question and that students have to give an answer, they can't opt out. Um, and then he goes into talking about, well, we have to get them all involved, they all have to be engaged um, because they all have to give an answer to assess if they've actually learned something. And then they've got, then he sort of discusses the pedagogy of contingency. And it's that, well, if somebody does get it wrong, we have to do something about that. We can't just move on and say, well, oh, most of them got it. We actually have to do an act upon that. I think you have to develop that culture of, you know, no, no one can uh, not be assessed mm. and they can't, you can't opt out of answering. And, and this kind of, it forces the issue for them to, uh, to, to, to do that. It's almost like, because um, he uses an example of maybe, I know obviously with COVID, this is impossible at the moment, but the four corners of a room. So where each corner represents an answer and everybody has to take part in that and go to one of those corners. Now, even if you're a student that's being lazy and just deciding to go over with your mates, eventually you're going to have to justify your decision mm. and you're going to have to consciously choose where you go. So yeah, it is, it is what you said, that culture of ensuring everyone is taking part and making sure that if there are misconceptions, they are explained to everybody. It's, a follow, it's the follow-up, which mm. is the important Exactly. Bit. And then that goes on to the second one, uh, which was providing feedback that moves learners forwards. So Torino, what was that one all about? So that one mainly discussing, well, we, we give feedback, but then sometimes we give them to too much we kind of spoon feed them all of the answers and well are they actually using the answers to improve their practice or are they just saying oh we've got that now let's move on um, and then it kind of links in with what was suggested with our marketing policy that well we we do kind of say there's some things that are wrong in in, in what you've given us how, could, how do you think we can improve that but we actually have to find the steps um, beforehand to allow those and, and enable the students to self-regulate he also kind of says that actually it should be appreciated that if a student does come back and uh, improve on an answer, that you should be able to then, you know, give them that, that grade. And he gives the example, you know, another analogy mm. of uh, an MOT. If, if a car fails its MOT and uh, one car passes, well, if the, if the car's fixed, the one that fails, and then comes back and passes its MOT, well, they're both the same. They've, both got, the, yeah. they've, they've got to the same end point but they've just taken different routes and we should you know we should take that approach with, with students because, yeah. you know again if we take the old approach to it you might say no well that's what they did in the in the, in the first time so that's that's what they've what they've achieved where actually it needs to be it needs to be more fluid yeah is, is the point the grade they got first time is it the fact that they've they've actually learned the material exactly yeah exactly i, I also just on this providing feedback point um the language as well that we use as teachers to inform feedback also gives them some autonomy over the work that they have and a little bit of ownership, which I think feeds into a few more points later well, that's, on. That's the, that's the next point. Yeah, so in, in terms of the uh, maths exam, rather than saying, right, you've got 15 out of 20, you can actually say to a student, well, you've got five out of 20 questions wrong, yeah. uh, answers wrong, sorry. Go and work out what those answers are, go yeah. and redo them. And I guess if I was to bring it back to my subject history, it could be a case of saying, you know, there's a lack of factual evidence here. I'm not going to tell you what you should include. I'm going to tell you that this skill, there is a deficiency. Well, they, they use that English example with when correcting spag. Yeah. So they put it, they don't tell the, they don't underline the words, which is, which is wrong. They'll put, uh, you know, an S in the margin of the line and they have to kind of find it. It's that kind of more 
active engagement with their, you know, with their own work. And it's, you know, you can differentiate it because they said sometimes if they're, you know, a more able student, you don't even have to say whether it's a spelling or punctuation or grammar error. You could do that with a doc. A doc and yeah. I've yeah. seen that with the history marking. Yeah. It's the fact, you know, the FE with the box in for factual evidence and the analysis. And that's exactly, it's, it's the same thing. So going into that, you know, students as owners of their own learning, um, I'm just going to talk about the exact, so this is now the third step. So we've, we've had, I'm just more myself with the language, providing feedback. No, sorry. What was the first one? Evidencing oh. um, of learning, illicit evidence of learning, sorry. Yep. Um, then we've got feedback to move learning forward. There we go. And then the next one of sharing learning intentions. There we go, fantastic. And then we move on to the third point, students as owners of their own learning. Um, the example that's used in this article is the example of the red cup, the red disc, um, and maybe flipping it over. So if everyone starts out on red, and as soon as they start to understand what's going on in the lesson, they flip it over to green. If a misconception comes up, they flip it over to red. Um, and I guess it's that kind of metacognition of, of being able to say, um, I know I am supposed to be learning in this room. Mm. And the fact that I'm not means that I need to, you know, I need to own that and I need to make that clear and I need to be aware of that situation. Um, and I guess that has implications for us as teachers, teachers as well. That's, that's a really hard skill for students to have. Yeah. <laughs> to be able to kind of self-regulate that and to be very open but imagine a cup on your desk is quite a big signal. It's like a, you know, like a flashing light, isn't it? Yeah. So you'd have to have, again, it's all about with, with these. You can't, this is not like quick fix where you can just go, right, completed it, done all five in, in two days, schemes of work sorted. It has to be ingrained into everything you do. And, you know, some of those, you know, may work, may, may, may not work. But um, it has to be in the culture of the classroom and across the school. You've got to get rid of that culture of shame, yeah, that culture exactly. of um, you know, the fear of getting things wrong, and then actually say, we as teachers need you to tell us when you get things wrong. There's, there's no point being scared because we, again, going back to the previous points, we can't adapt to that. I feel like it's one of the biggest barriers that we face because even when it comes to the students actually completing the work, when they have to do maybe a highlighting task, they don't actually want to put the highlighter on the paper because they want to have to redo it again. And, mm. I, and, and I think... That is one of the big things that we have to change is, is accepting that we need to get wrong in order to learn. Yeah, it's in, independent learners. Yeah. And we all know why, because it, it's much easier to not be independent mm -hmm. because you, you don't have to actively think. Yeah. And you can see why, why it happens. And, you know, I think that word culture is really important when it comes to these, these issues. Then we've got, as we move on, the idea, so this is, this is now the fourth point. After we've um, clarified and understood learning intentions, we've got effective classroom discussions, we're providing feedback that moves learners forwards. Um, then we've got to think about how we activate students as instructional resources for each other. Now, this is the part of the article that I think is a little more difficult for us to really deploy. Mm. And the example that's used is the idea of having a student complete their work. They then take that work to appear in their classroom for them to mark before it actually reaches the teacher. So the burden of responsibility of progress is actually shared amongst mm, students. Yeah. And there's, there's that peer feedback before it actually reaches the teacher. Could, could you imagine your A-level students doing that? Possibly. I think, I think A-level is, is probably where that is. Where, where do you reckon the line come, comes in for those? That's, that's the difficulty. Do you reckon a GCSE shouldn't be able to do that? I don't know. And I guess it goes back to that culture. I feel, I feel like if that's part of the culture, yeah, fine, no yeah. problem. But it's just not at the minute. Do you think it would benefit them significantly if, we, if they were if he was able to go right this is how we're responding back to the to the uh, to the test yeah i, I, <laughs> I mean i mean yeah, it does, yeah, it does. It's, yeah. it's uh but again it's, it's the actual process i mean i'm sure we can all imagine students in our class that would actually be quite offended 
if we were to say before before the teacher looks at your work you need to take it to you know billy and, and he, he's going to look at it before i do yeah um there's that you know I, I feel like there's almost like a conflict there the ownership of your own work but then also by the way you're relying on each other for that um mm. for that for that afl well, it's definitely food for thought yeah yeah certainly Serena, having read this article, uh, I just want to ask you, well, first of all, how did it inform your teaching coming into an NQT position here at Joe Richardson? But, you know, how might you adapt your teaching later on as well? Um, well, first of all, I feel like I aim to shape successful learners. I think that's what this document um, says for, suggests for, for teachers to do. Um, I want to ensure that I'm clarifying and ensuring that my students understand um, the learning criteria, because a lot of the time, uh, they know they have to complete a certain task, but what was the whole point of, of what, why they're learning it? I need to, and I want to ensure that I am reacting to how the lessons go in. And I'm very conscious, and I think that's from the beginning, I'm conscious of the time that they've lost through COVID. And I think as a result of that, it has been a bit playing catch up, but I do should take time out and um, react and adapt. And I think the new marketing teams as well will give me options for adaptability and adapting to the students. Yeah, I like that. It's it's having that courage of your conviction to say, no, we do need to slow it down. Yeah. Here, even though we have lost all this time, we need to slow it down. Otherwise, we're going to lose the meaning of that. But mm. That's great. I mean, do you think that you'd change anything going on in geography at the minute to, to try and maybe adapt your approach as well? So I think, I think that COVID point's a really important one. Yeah, I, I think it's, the, it, it's giving teachers the uh, ability to... The, the, sorry, the freedom to make those decisions. And mm. I think not saying, not having tight timelines on them potentially gives them the freedom to to be, to focus on those assessment points. Mm. So that was Assessment for Learning, Why, What and How by Dylan William. We will send this obviously to you as we have with every other article. Just another reminder, you keep hearing it from me, you know, keep hearing it from me. Please do get involved if you have got um, any theory, any articles, blog posts, activities, ideas around the school that you want to make a, a, a big discussion for all of us to talk about. We'd really appreciate your um, your presence on the podcast as we, as we have uh, Tarina's this week. Yeah, it was great Ooh. to have Tarina in no, this thanks week. Thanks for so. having me. No, of, of course. Um, so we're, with all that said and done, it's time for us to say goodbye. Enjoy, and I look forward to talking to you next week. See ya. Bye.